space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Raise a Glass, its mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new stories and new storytellers, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And we were trying. So wait, to... Did you rewatch the original series? <laughs> oh yes, I think I said rewatch the original series about <laughs> the same number of times that we've rewatched. <laughs> okay, so your wife. What and happens you... when we skip a week? I get all out of <laughs> forgot how to do this, right? Yes. Yeah. Thankfully, nobody's rewatching us. Hello and welcome to Raise a Glass, uh, the podcast where we talk about the stories and storytellers that shape us. Um, uh, you just got a wonderful introduction made up on the spot by our very own Hunter Danson. <laughs> and, and joining Hunter Danson, I am Eric Lintola. Um, not only are we a podcast about the stories and storytellers that shape us, we are maybe even more, um, more truly a podcast about two friends who are different types of nerdy. Uh, <laughs> gathering together to have conversations around things that we were already talking about um, in a less yeah. ordered session, <laughs> ordered way uh, over the Slightly last 10 less. years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we found, I, I think we were a lot more um, derivative in our previous conversations of the last mm. 10 years. So we tended to, yeah. to loop on the same things. And, yeah. Uh, and so this this podcast is just, is just a joy. Uh, and Hunter, it's, I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've been together and so uh i'm excited to to jump into it um and as always before we dive into it i gotta know what's in your glass uh i have some uh unwind tea um, mm. it's got it's like chamomile by nature's promise organic um Ooh. when you gotta unwind Unwind tea. <laughs> <laughs> that was, you had like a tea ball set up there and you just, you whiffed uh, with that. Well, well. <laughs> and uh, per, per normal. Steep longer. Yeah, okay. Per normal, um, when one of us goes the tea route, the other one tends to go the alcohol route. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have an Empire Apple Bourbon. Um, by Black Button Distillery, which is a mm. distillery here in Rochester. It actually has bits of the apple in, inside of it. It is absolutely incredible. I, I've got it wow. on the rocks here. Mm. Is that a, a post-COVID recovery bourbon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been a great idea during COVID. Uh, it's, it's got such a smooth uh, drinkability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I shouldn't apples, be putting on so many rocks. It's got to be sweet, kind of sweet, right? Mm-hmm. And Empire Apple is my favorite type of mm-hmm. apple. Um, and I will argue with anybody who makes, uh, who would say that Empire Apple, that there's a better eating apple than an Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's neither here nor there at this particular point. Um, so, Hunter, uh, what are you raising a glass and pouring one out for? Um. I'm going to start with my pouring one out because it's it's kind of a uh, 
kind of a serious one. And okay. I was thinking about this and whether or not to do something frivolous, but I figured I'm, I'm pouring one out for uh, human trafficking and sex trafficking, mm. uh, which is a huge problem today. Um, like a lot of us think of trafficking as, uh, you know, it's not really happening unless someone's in chains or something like that. But um, the reality is that it happens today and it happens a lot in the U.S. Um, The sex industry is like a $99 billion industry. Um, And a lot of that revenue comes from inside the United States and people trafficked inside the U.S. and developed countries. so I'm pouring one out. I'll I'll put a couple links in the description. I don't have the we we don't have the time or the the preparation to talk too much about it now. But um, I'd recommend going to check out uh, fightthenewdrug.org. Um, they have more resources, and I'll I'll put more in the description. But I am going to raise a glass to Langston Hughes. Uh, was having a pretty rough okay. Monday. And we'd recently reorganized our bookshelves and stuff, and we put a bunch of our poetry on a little hallway, in a little hallway that we have. And I just picked up some Langston Hughes, and uh, it was it was good medicine. Um, Mm. He is a wonderful poet, and he he does serious subjects, he does silly subjects, he does beautiful subjects. And I just want to short, share a short little one. Um, yeah, go for it. If you'll humor me. I actually have been thinking about, I've got a book of Langston Hughes poetry and was looking at it the other day. I think at some point we should probably do an episode uh, on Langston Hughes yeah. as a storyteller. This is called Daybreak in Alabama. When I get to be a composer... I'm going to write me some music about daybreak in Alabama. And I'm going to put the purtiest songs in it, rising out of the ground like a swamp mist and falling out of heaven like soft dew. I'm going to put some tall trees in it and the scent of pine needles and the smell of red clay after rain and long red necks and poppy-colored faces and big brown arms and the field daisy eyes of black and white, black, white, black people. And I'm going to put white hands and black cans and brown and yellow hands and red clay earth hands in it, touching everybody with kind fingers and touching each other natural as dew. In that dawn of music, when I get to be a composer and write about daybreak in Alabama. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, there's a lot to talk. I see. Why? Why did you share that one in thirty seconds? It was beautiful. That's. It, I mean, a, a lot of his poetry is beautiful, but that one has has imagery and um, a beautiful vision about the future and daybreak in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Well, Hunter, for me, I am going to pour one out 
for uh, the title. This is going to be stupid and completely misleading um, for spending time with their family. <laughs> and the mm. reason I, I share that is, is not because I don't love spending my time with my family as actually, in fact, because of this thing that we've already mentioned called COVID. Um, mm. Where if you per se decide instead of doing family gifts for Christmas, uh, you're going to do a trip to, let's say, Pittsburgh, um, clearly hypothetical here, um, and you go there and it just turns out that you feel sick the first day and and decide not to test because you don't have COVID test on you (laughs) and then see your family the next day, you know, parents, siblings, spouse, (laughs) kid, and spend a couple of days with them. Uh, and then come back and test positive. Not only have you gotten sick and had COVID and been forced to, among any other things, um, sit out from the podcast for a week, um, mm-hmm. but you have in fact gotten your entire family infected with COVID. Ouch. Um, and that is why uh, I'm pouring one out. Clearly <laughs> um, <laughs> hypothetical. Um, yeah. Hypothetical. Sorry, mom, dad, <laughs> Chris, Mel, Caleb. Um, and now my. Mother-in-law and father-in-law also have it. Oh, man. Um, but that one was not our fault. Um, so, mm. yay. At least we don't think so. <laughs> um, and then I am going to raise a glass to um, a storyteller who shaped my life, um, uh, who passed away actually while we were, or I learned to pass away while we were doing our last pod- podcast. podcast. Mm. Um, and so, um, my Sunday school teacher growing up, uh, Mrs. Mm-hmm. McGovern, um, died at the ripe age of like 92 or <laughs> lived a very long life. Um, mm. and she was one of those women, you ever have somebody ask you like, you know, who's impacted your life? You know, and you go through, you might think of a list I, for me, I think of, you know, five or so people, maybe, maybe at this point it's seven. And she's always like chronologically um, one of the first people on that list. Mm. Um, and outside of my my parents and my sister uh, and my brother, like the the number one person as far as like timing um, early in my life who's impacted me. Um, and so I am very much miss her. Um, she was at her wedding; it's the last time I saw her. So it's been a few years, um, but I just. Mrs. McGovern, I'm so excited to see you again one day. That's one of the joys of of our faith, um, is knowing that mm. we'll be with our brothers and sisters in heaven. Um, and, oh my goodness, her legacy and the lives she impacted. She was a widow who, her husband passed away when she was very young. So she raised, I think, three kids by herself, like throughout her 30s, and never remarried. Um mm. I think went to Israel like a dozen times, probably. <laughs> like, I just a woman that you just want a, a person you just want to be like mm-hmm. um, in every way. And so, um, yeah, there are other people who've impacted my life, other storytellers, um, and just friends and mentors. Um, but uh, I don't know if you ever drank Miss McGovern, but I'm raising a glass to you. And, uh, I love you. So. Mm. 
and I want to be like you. So, um, but Hunter, um, I'm, I've been excited to talk about, um, Star Trek for yeah. a few months now. Uh, it's kind of been on our, our list of a, Hey, maybe we'll talk about it. Maybe we won't, you know, mm-hmm. we will at some point when we get around to it. Um, yeah, I would. I don't. I think it's safe to say that neither of us are Trekkies. Would you agree with that? No, I love the original series, um, and it's my favorite one. Um, I've seen a few other ones. I, I like Voyager, um, but I mean the original series is just the one for me. Uh, and but I don't call myself a Trekkie because that implies that I have seen them all and I know everything about them. Yeah. Um, and I don't. <laughs> yeah, and, I probably and never I. will. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, and in fact, I, uh, I'm actually going to walk through the the television shows and movies as they came out chronologically, and um, we'll talk about them a little bit more as we. You know, that's also I'll go through the episode, but I'm just going to do a kind of a quick read through right now. And if you've read it um, or watched it, um, you know our version of it. We'll just kind of. Share a little bit. I would say raise our hands, but that's not helpful for a podcast. Um, so we start in 1966 to 1969 was the original series. Yeah, I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, and I've seen a few episodes here and there, but I've never seen the entirety of it. Um, 19, oh wow, is that late? Okay, 1979 was the original movie. Um, uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Yep. I haven't seen it. And then we have the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth of the original series m- movies, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, I've seen Wrath of Khan. Search for Spock. Yeah. Voyage Home. Is that the one with the um, the whale? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen okay. that one. I've seen some of that one. Um, I, I think, think it is. Seen. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Final Frontier and The Undiscovered Country in 1991 um, was the last of the original series mm. films. Okay. And then we have 1987 to 1994 is the next generation. Um, I've seen some of it. I've seen too. a couple of the movies of that actually. Okay. Cause there's two. the next generation generations, first contact insurrection and nemesis. Those are the movies. I don't remember. I think I saw nemesis. Okay. And I've remember. seen, um, I started watching through next generation in grad school. Um, but I learned it wasn't, it was doing over lunch, like uh, an episode every lunch, but oh. it's not really like an, a, a show you watch to unwind. Yeah. Um, it was too heady for me for, oh. for grad school. I was like, you know, in grad school, I need something that's just <laughs> light. And this is not light mm. at all. Um, <clears throat> I guess so it I think depends I watched, like, on the episode. Yeah, but I feel like I watched like I think I watched like twenty episodes, and I didn't even finish the first season. Mm. <laughs> and it, was, it was just intense. Um, very good though, and so I'll talk about that a little bit. And then we have Deep Space Nine. Saw the first episode. <laughs> Me too. I I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I I just didn't really jive with anyone. So I'm thinking that maybe I mean there were seven seasons. I think of that one. So I think I did see. Um, I, I had the. The DVDs I rented from the library, and I watched the Trouble with Tribbles commentary, 
and you mentioned a Deep Space Nine episode, and they had the Deep Space Nine episode on the disc where they went back in time and they did some kind of creative shots to put the characters from Deep Space Nine into the Trouble with Tribbles episode from the original Star Trek series. So I've seen that episode. Okay. Too. Interesting. They did a little bit of that with Next Generation and um, our, uh, an Enterprise, but that was actually a very an episode that people did not like. So, oh. um, but we'll talk about that. Um, Voyager. Oh yeah, I've seen like th- uh, three or four, five seasons, something like that. <laughs> I have the whole DVD collection. My wife and I, we actually bought the whole DVD collection when they took it off Netflix because we wanted to watch it. Um, I've been having difficulty trying to find a lot of these because I don't have um, Paramount Plus, and it seems like that's a place yeah. where a lot of them. Oh are. yeah, they're, they're they're on CBS All Access, I think. Yeah, and that's. Um, but local library. It's a good point. Um, and then Enterprise, um, which all of a sudden we're getting to two thousands here. I've seen all of Enterprise. I loved it. Um, which I'm sure tr- some Trekkies out there are going to hear and be like, oh, this person. Um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about that one a little bit, but I, I, I love that that show. Um, and then more recent are Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I saw the first episode. Okay. It didn't, didn't I, hook me. I haven't seen that one. Um, it's not on this list, which is weird to me, um, but Star Trek Orville. Oh, that's um, not which, actually a Star Trek show. It's was originally a a parody show and then it becomes more than that so it's not officially star trek so you say that but i mean i've seen all of the orville i'm going to talk about the orville i think it's more star trek than most of the star trek i've seen um so i'm really excited to talk about that one in fact i i've I think I watched the first episode on like your recommendation or I was somewhat interested. I don't know. Seth, Seth MacFarlane was it. And I was like, eh, I don't really like the yeah. things that he does, but I watched the first episode and very quickly got hooked. Um, there are three seasons of it out there right now. There's conversation about the fourth. I really hope they make a fourth season. I, I watched the first four episodes and I wanted to keep watching, but my wife said, uh, I want to watch it too, so don't watch it without me. Ah, but we'll get to it eventually. It's worth it. It's yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and then Star Trek Picard, which is the last season, is starting soon. Um, have not seen it. Interested in seeing it, but I feel like I can't watch it until after I finish Next Generation, which will be another twenty years. Um, <laughs> Strange New Worlds. Have you seen any of that? No, that's a brand new one. Um, and then. There's, um, oh, sorry, I kind of skipped it ahead, but there were, there were three animated series. Oh, yeah. Um, the, original? the original series animated. I've seen those, yeah. Okay, okay. I never even heard about those until just now. Lower Decks and Prodigy. I heard about Prodigy, but Lower Decks is 2020 to present. I don't know if no. I've heard of that one. No, um, no. There was also a television short series between 2018 and 2020 called Short Treks. Mm. I don't know. Um, and then there were three other um, room, uh, reboots, Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond. And we've both seen all three of those. Those are the Chris Pine ones, um, yeah. which we will also talk a little bit about today. So the, the kind of the plan for the next um, however many uh, 
however long this episode goes, <laughs> is to walk through the ones that we've seen and talk about things that stuck out to us from them. And so it's not going to be a fair, dis- equal distribution of time for each of them. Um, but and uh, sorry, and, you go. and uh, since this is the the podcast where you raise a glass to the stories and storytellers that shape us, we'll also talk about how we've interacted with Star Trek, how Star Trek is, has shaped other things that we've engaged with, because uh, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the conversation too, uh, and also shaped us personally. Yeah. Actually, Anna, I wanted to share one thing. Um, one of the things I appreciate most about Star Trek, and this is really kind of hitting that point about why it's shaped me, is I think Star Trek uses mythological sci-fi things to talk about incredibly deep subjects. Mm. Um, Like they'll approach issues of racism and of sexism and of like zoos, like like the, Mm. the morality of a thing by talking about a completely different thing on the surface. Um, and, and there are countless examples of this. Um, and you can watch Star Trek as a show that's just there to entertain you, um, which I think is actually a lot harder to do that than a lot of other shows because most Star Trek is not built around explosions. It's why people don't like the newest movies um, as much. Star- Trekkies don't like the newest movies as much is because of the amount of action. Um, but like a lot of Star Trek is built around the story and the, you know, the captain, uh, but then the kind of some of the slowness of a thing. Um, and, and I just really, and again, this is me based off the Star Trek I've seen. Um, I really, really appreciate the way that you can talk about one thing as a way of talking about something else. There's a, Mm. there's a word for that. I can't remember it. Um, uh, allegory is, is not quite right. An illusion, a, uh, yeah. a metaphor. Yeah. None um, of those are quite the word I'm thinking about yeah. or the, the, the type of thing. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about that when we get to Orville. Um, cause I just really appreciate that. And I think the episodes I've seen of next generation and many, some of the episodes of um, the original star Trek, um, do that well. Um, because as you think about them, them you're, you think like, oh my goodness, like this is not something that's just happening in a fictional world. Mm. Um, we're talking about real issues, but we're doing it in a way that we can cover our tracks. <laughs> um, and if somebody doesn't want to think about it, they don't have to. Um, but if they want to, like, here's a, like, we're really opening the door to this conversation. Hmm. So that's for me, one of the big pieces I love about Star Trek. I would have to add the, the relationships uh, between the, the characters and, and the relationships that build uh, among the crew. That's, that's one of my other favorite parts about Star Trek. Um, you have, uh, you know, 
the original series, you have the the holy trinity of uh, Spock, Bones, and Captain James T. Kirk, uh, and it's it's just wonderful to watch the relationships build uh, between the three of them. And of course, you have the the other crew members as well, but they're really the main three that get the most development and screen time. Um, yeah, tell me more about the original original series. Oh, uh, where to start? I be- it came out in the 60s. Uh, and as far as I know, there wasn't really anything like it. Um, Gene Roddenberry, I think, had this idea of a, of a space western. Uh, mm. And he just kind of took that and ran with it. Um, I think they had, they had two seasons and they didn't do that good. Uh, and the fans who were watching the show actually petitioned it uh, to, to get the third season. Uh, and then they did some uh, movies and uh, didn't really become super successful until uh, syndication and reruns. Um, and that was like, uh, they they couldn't even imagine that. I watched uh, the commentary to the Trouble with Tribbles episode in season two. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the it was by the writer. And he said that, you know, they just didn't, did, couldn't imagine what the show would become uh, and, and how uh, popular it would become. And, you know, the, the original series, of course, gets the nod for coming up with the idea and mm-hmm. for, for doing all of those um, episodes that explore different issues and things in a kind of totally different context, uh, mm-hmm. I think. Um, like I Mud, which is one of my favorite episodes, has these androids capture the crew. And the okay. androids were built by a humanoid race. And the androids were built to take care of, of humanity's uh, every, or not humanities, but this race is like every wish, every need. The androids are super strong. The androids can make whatever this race needs. Are they Kalons? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. They don't. They're just androids. Yep. Um, and and so the the crew of the Enterprise is basically kidnapped and put in this kind of like inside this moon, I think. And okay. the androids are there to serve them, and the androids are going to take the crew's ship. They're going to take the Enterprise, and they're going to go, quote unquote, serve the rest of the of the universe, uh, the, the galaxy, which means basically like subjugate them and take away freedom and like offer because the way that the androids work is they they can make anything they can give humanity anything that they want and give give any race anything that they want unlimited pleasure unlimited uh recreation you know and uh so so like the whole episode is like the crew is trying to do these creative things to like get out of the situation. And, but it's also kind of an interesting uh, way to think about uh, kind of like an interesting thought experiment um, about like what, what would a race do if they were given, uh, you know, everything that they want <laughs> unlimited. Mm-hmm. Um but my, I think the thing that stands out 
to me about the original series and what I think makes it so special is um, that everyone was so enthusiastic and like uh, the actors, you know, the crew, everyone involved is like really excited. And I think that's what made it really special because um, like if you go to the, the trouble with tribbles episode um it's it's an infamous episode it is like i think it was like the first episode that this is according to the writer and the commentary it was like the first one where the crew got to do something kind of silly like you just got to see the crew on shore leave they're not like in some crazy Mm. life-threatening situation they're not um you know, trying to save the galaxy or a planet or something. Uh, they stop at this space station uh, who, and this space station has a, a quadro triticale, it's called, um, which is based on triticale, which is a, like a real life fertilizer, apparently. And um, kind of like diplomatic stuff going on. There's some Klingons there. Um, and the, the, Scotty gets into a bar fight with the Klingons because um, the Klingon is like insulting uh, James Kirk and um, Chekhov is there and Chekhov is, uh, you know, he's like trying to get up and Scotty's like just trying to stop him. You know, he's just trying to instigate it. It's not worth it, laddie. And then uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, but it's like so hard to to do Scotty lines and not do a a cruddy accent. But um <clears throat> the you know Scotty's stopping them and then the Klingon insults the Enterprise and, and calls it a pile of trash and Scotty just Ooh. gets up and just <laughs> nails him <laughs> and then there's this like this moment later on where uh, Kirk is disciplining his crew and he asks Scotty like how did the fight start and, and Scotty's like well you know he called you all kinds of names sir and and kirk is like and that's when the fighting started and that's when you hit him (laughs) and scotty's like no sir (laughs) and (laughs) so and then kirk finds out and it's it's a great humorous moment but like the 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 writer was talking about how the actors were adding all these kind of bits of comedy and coming up with all of these ideas in the episode that he didn't write Mm. Um, really oh yeah and that made it like really, um, really fun and and great TV, really, mm-hmm. um, because you know a a TV show is and like you can write a TV show, but if you don't have the right director and the right actors and the actors aren't mm-hmm. into it, like it's going to be so much better. And I think that's the thing. Um, that I notice when I watch Star Trek is is all of the little things that they do, and you see the actors really, really committing. And the actors want to. I feel like actors want to be part of Star Trek. I feel like that's true throughout yeah. like all of the different shows. Like there's like an excitement of being in Star Trek, and that was started because of the original Star Trek. But there's like an excitement. I feel like that's there, and when it's not there, you feel it. <laughs> you can you can tell. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And I think that's one of the things I love as well. Is like, there's a difference between watching somebody act and seeing somebody just love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's it's so much it's so much easier to take everything that's happening as just real and you know truth. Yeah, when people are just joyful or having fun with it, um, and and that's true whether it's serious or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the actors they they make you believe it too mm-hmm. because you go back and watch the original series. I watched it in the the non remastered effects just to because I'd never seen them before. And um, you know they're all right for the time. They didn't they didn't have a very big budget. They had like yeah. kind of a shoestring budget for that time, I think. Um, but you know, it's you just got to think what it must have been like, you know, to be like William Shatner or Leonard Nimoy uh, or mm. uh, Shell Nichols or anybody saying all these kind of weird things. They're like, okay, we want to sit, want you to sit in this chair and like press these imaginary buttons and say all this <laughs> jargon um but they they totally commit like yeah i re- there's this one yeah. scene in um immunity syndrome which is one of my other favorite episodes uh <clears throat> where scotty is is looking at he's trying to explain to kirk why their engines are acting strange um there's it's kind okay. of like this this space entity episode the entire episode takes place on the ship it's kind of a low budget episode okay and there's a space entity that's like drawing them in and basically eating planets and solar systems and scotty uh says you know we're we're going we're trying we're giving an impulse power forwards but it's going backwards and kirk goes down in the engine room and he's like We'll try and go backwards and see what happens. And the, the shot is just like them looking at this wall of colored lights. It means absolutely nothing. Like you, you can't read it. Mm-hmm. But the, both of the actors are so committed in looking at it that you can almost imagine as you're looking at it and as the colors change that there's they're reading it somehow. <laughs> that that like you know often like in real technology is like yeah. that. Like you look at it, you look at code, or you look at you know. Mm-hmm. readouts on on in planes or things and you, you have no idea what it means you might be able to guess but you have no idea and and they do that on the show with these weird colored lights and stuff just because the actors like they commit so hard or, or like when sulu mm-hmm. notices something wrong with the engines he kind of like raises his eyebrow and looks down <laughs> at something and you like you know and like tries to fiddle with the nom or whatever mm-hmm. um and and I'm, I feel like more than half of like all of the things, things that they fiddle with or the ideas that they have to communicate that are like from the actors and, yeah. um, just because they, they were, they were into it and they were, they mm-hmm. were going for it. Yeah. I was actually thinking as you were talking about some of the, the ways that Star Trek has impacted our culture <laughs> and the fact that there are, are not just spoofs of Star Trek, and and uh, I want to just bring up Galaxy Quest as one of those. Uh, I saw that, quite enjoyed it. Uh, not a great movie. Um, starred uh, written by uh, stars Tim Allen and Sig- Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman. It's kind of a, a fun cast. Um, yeah, but, you know, not a, not a great movie, but still like definitely a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's there because it exists because of Star Trek. But I was actually thinking of the whole universe was in a hot, dense state that nearly 14 billion years ago expansion started with Big Bang Theory. 
<laughs> and they love that's like a Star Trek is a huge running piece without throughout Big Bang Theory. And there's a specific episode where Penny, um, one of the primary characters, um, and Sheldon are mm. going to exchange Christmas gifts. And it's one of the first, it's, it's in an earlier season. And Sheldon's like, I don't know what to get her. He's like, I don't, I want to give something that's financially equates the gift <laughs> she gives me. And so he decides um, that he's going to buy like eight different gift baskets of differing <laughs> quality qualities and, and costs and just return the ones that are <laughs> not appropriate. Yeah. You know? And so she'll give him this gift then he's going to go to the bathroom and grab one and bring it back. And she, she, you know, they exchange gifts and she gives him a thing. And he opens like, Oh, it's a napkin. <laughs> she just works as a waitress. And he's like, she's like, open it, opens it. And all of a sudden he goes, it's like, Signed by Leonard Nimoy, <laughs> and then she's like, "Yeah, s- s- he was in the in the restaurant. Yeah, sorry, there's a little bit of a, a mark on it. He wiped his face on it, and at that point, Sheldon go, dro- like almost drops, and he's like, I-, I possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> I can make my own Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> he's like, I-, I have to go to the bathroom." And she goes to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom and comes back with all of the gift baskets. <laughs> <laughs> and so just think, I don't know, the ways that you're talking about a story that's that's shaped our culture. Like there is a specific yeah. like subset of our American culture that has directly been shaped and continues to be shaped by the original series and the Star Trek that came after that. Yeah. But then like the reason you can have big budget movies with Chris Pine, with um, Benedict Cumberbatch, with you know these really famous actors, is because of the weight that Star Trek has, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that's really significant. Uh, and and it does come down to those those relationships too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love I love Spock and Bones. I love to see the way that their relationship develops because they they don't like each other. Bones is uh, <laughs> he's played by uh, DeForest Kelly, and I was watching an episode where like Spock is in danger, and then Spock gets out of danger. And at the end of the episode, you get to see DeForest Kelly. You get to see him smile. Like do an actual, you know, nice smile, and it's so cute because he never smiles. <laughs> like even when he smiles, he usually smirks. He's he makes a lot of jokes and things. Um, I wrote down a line from uh, the Wrath of Khan at the beginning, where he says to Jim, uh, "Other people have birthdays, Jim. Why are we treating yours like a funeral?" <laughs> and it is all kinds of quips, um, yeah, like that. How do you think the actor who played Bones in the new trilogy of movies did? Oh, did I, I thought Carl Urban did pretty good. Yeah. I really appreciated. I actually really liked all of the acting in those movies. I thought the yeah. acting was done really well. I actually really enjoyed the movies, and that was actually helped retroactively yeah. get me into Star Trek. 
mm. um, which I'm sure there are people out there who might call themselves true check tre- trekkie trekkies who didn't <laughs> like them because they went past or they retold stories, whatever. Uh, but we'll get there, I guess, maybe in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed them. Um, they didn't really capture the same. I th- like, I thought the casting was incredible. Just wonderful casting. Uh, it was just too shiny. Like, I get that. Like yeah. the JJ. Uh, yes. You got the JJ coating the, the on flares. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the lens flares. Yeah. It, it really is a thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, it's great. I love it. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's Star Trek is, has always been a little shiny, but it was just a little, I felt like it kind of outshined what it was supposed to be shining a light on. But, uh, all I can think of is, is the, from Moana. Shiny, <laughs> yeah. But we're getting there later. But that's yeah, chronologically yeah. comes up. Um, there is there is one aspect of Star Trek, the original series, and I think most all of them that I would like to pour pour one out, pour a little out of the glass for. Okay, uh, and that is the male gaze and the treatment of mm. women in Star Trek. Oh, yep. There are a lot of great female characters in Star Trek. Um, even, I mean, in the original series, you have uh, Uhura, who's great. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to do a lot. Um, in fact, in, in some of my favorite episodes, like Trouble with Tribbles and uh, High Mud, she gets some more things to say, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Uh, but women are very often. Um, ogled and and it just it it almost gets worse like you would think it should get better from the original series onward but it almost it doesn't like i feel myself more frequently just kind of like looking away and wanting to fast forward when they do those cuts and stuff uh and and later star treks enterprise Um, does a really bad job of that for the first season two seasons especially Um, yeah with with T'Pol, uh, who's the first uh, chronologically within the Star Trek universe, the first like um, female Vulcan at the very least that we interact with, mm. probably Vulcan. Um, yeah, in the sense of it happens before the original series, and they just the first couple seasons do a lot of a lot of that, and it's yeah, and that's just a that's a good point. a sci fi thing in general. Um, Orville does a, a way better job with this. Hmm. Um, Orville does a, a really, I think, handles that really well. And by that, yeah. I mean, I can't remember like too many male, really any male gaze moments that. Yeah. Um, there, Voyager has some like great female characters, like Captain Janeway is a female captain, and um, Belana Taurus, um, and a few other characters. But there's also a lot of like male gaze shots in there um if you don't know what male gaze is it's basically what happens in a victoria's secret commercial or uh that one shot in transformers the first transformers movie um it's like when the lens of the camera focuses on uh on the woman in a way that's either moves up or down i think yeah it's it's focused on certain features yeah but it it can basically undermine like what the character is saying 
Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, you got to pour one out for it. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, thanks for doing that. Actually, that's a challenge I have with a lot of fantasy writers too. Oh, um, a lot of yeah. male fantasy writers in particular that I've read. Yeah. Um, you know, during which, I mean, some who I read, I absolutely love the stories. And then there's just pieces that I'm like, why? Um, and actually, um, in some, some are, I think there's certain aspects that are getting better today. Um, yeah. and some of the things I've read and cause like the answer shouldn't be then don't add females, which is right. Cause that's one of the things Tolkien's called out for a lot in, is there's just no female characters. Well, there, in, there are very few. Yes. Um, and like, that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer isn't to then put characters, female characters in just to have them in, you know, it's, um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is like a lot present in a lot of, uh, old science fiction too. And I guess a lot Mm -hmm. of new (laughs) sci-fi as well, but, uh, (laughs) and I mean, outside of sci-fi too. So yeah. And is the answer then to add, um, the the female gaze. And I don't think the answer is. I think, I, no, think, I, don't, I think actually. I don't think so. I think Enterprise tries that a couple of times of uh, <laughs> making it work both ways, and it's like, oh. yeah. I mean, they do that with Kirk in the in the original, but I, it's almost like a it's like a male gaze, but on Kirk. It's kind of yeah. like, um, yeah. Uh, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about in the original series um, or are you okay with moving on and then kind of bringing up more of the original series as it kind of might relate? Uh, two things. Um, my, my two favorite episodes and my, my very high recommendations, if you want to watch the original series um, would be I mud and uh, for a silly one. Uh, and immunity syndrome for a serious one, and then you have to watch Trouble with Tribbles because it is a it's an absolute classic. And I just also want to highlight Leonard Nimoy as Spock because he absolutely deserves it. Like the performance that he has and and does, like he brought more to the role than. You know, I think they ever imagined that's mm. they ever they ever imagined that he could or that that Spock could be, um, and like he he came up with live long and prosper, um, mm. and he saw it in a Jewish synagogue. Um, actually, he was he was looking at the the rabbi or the person who was praying had their had their hands in the they were pouring out a blessing and praying okay. a blessing and they had their hands um in that shape um yeah. kind of mirrored together you can look it up but he came up with that and and just i love how he says sensors i i have to think that's something he came up with just as a way to like accentuate his vulcanness you know and, okay. and really like just those little touches and things um can't get enough of, of Leonard Nimoy. Love it. Yeah. I mean, and he is, I mean, that was, I mean, obviously people love him. And I mean, it was, a, it was really sad when he passed. I mean, he, he was so important to the series that he's the only character that came back in the original 
from the original in, uh, from any of them yeah or at least from the original in the in the movies the the most recent movies yeah and the last thing is um that is is the diversity in star trek and for, for the time i mean it was during the 60s um and and they showed a group of people who were of, of all different ethnicities uh working together and in a future where you know humanity really became as one uh and i think that's that's also another aspect of the original series that is um special and enduring mm -hmm. Thanks. And I, th I think that's a really important piece to, to kind of leave us on and to, and to, I don't know, shine about Star Trek. And I, I think that that will, I mean, most of our conversation probably is, is what we just had. Um, yeah. <laughs> because that, Star Trek doesn't exist without the original. Um, and, and that, that fan led like resurgence mm. is something that is true about a lot of the Star Treks is I feel like a lot of Star Trek is like fan forward. Um, yeah. As far as like, hey, if, if fans like it, they're going to make it happen or try to. Um, yeah. Well, next uh, in release order that we could talk about um, Next Generation. Again, we've both seen bits of it. Um, yeah. I really, I mean, um, how could you, um, let me get this, I'm trying to look this up on a separate separate device and my fingers are too big. The next on the list is uh, next generation. And how could you not love Patrick Stewart in this? It, it's, I know we, neither of us have seen that much of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, Patrick Stewart and LeVar Burton um, mm -hmm. focus on LeVar Burton because deep lover of reading rainbow uh, <laughs> uh, that was definitely impact me as a kid um and is this where will wheaton got known became like known i don't know he's uh crush wesley crusher is that who he is yep i'm really impressed you got a, a good mind I just I just know people who really like the next generation. Uh, mm -hmm. And 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 one of the things I, I just want to say about it, and we're not going to talk too much because neither of us have seen it all the way through, um, is I love the way that um, Sir Patrick Stewart just commanded the show. Uh, I feel like when I watch, like it, it's one of the things you've talked talk to, we've talked about in the past uh, that that you love about the the original Star Trek is the way that many of the actors came from a stage background mm -hmm. and a theater background, and they kept that going with their casting decision for <laughs> Next Generation. Yeah, um, and um, and you could uh, the episodes I I watch. I'm just thinking back now. If, probably a few five years six years now um but the way in which like the intensity um that captain picard had yeah and the 
again, the way of staring at a blank screen you know, as he's <laughs> staring it through the front of the space, the spaceship. Like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I gotta believe that's really hard to do. <laughs> yeah. But it felt real. I mean, the man has, you know, one of the greatest memes of all time, uh, for a reason, the, the face, the face palm, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was so big that they've made another show you know, based on him, Picard. Yeah. Uh, which I haven't seen any of um, because <laughs> I just don't have CBS. Yeah. Um, I mean, access, if I was so. going to watch Next Generation, I, I I think the what would convince me to watch it is Picard. Mm. But I, I know there's probably a lot more to see. I've heard it gets a lot better after like the first few seasons, but. You know, I, I, Maybe I gotta someday. go back to the original. Maybe someday. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Uh, next, Deep Space Nine. Um, again, both of us watched the first episode and just like, eh. I think <laughs> if Deep Space Nine's first episode happened in the 2000s with 2000s era CGI, mm. that would have helped me a lot. Um, yeah. I had a lot of challenge with the the visuals of that, and and I wasn't interested, but. Um, the trouble with Tribbles episode was fun because they they went back and they they put they had the original shots and then they put the Deep Space Nine actors in the background because they went back in time so they're kind of like trying to blend in and they gave them a reason to be on the ship and <laughs> in, in the shots so they they transposed uh, the the actors into the original shots so it was pretty cool yeah. um, to see that and they even edited a cut where the captain of deep space nine gets to interact with, with James T Kirk. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, let's go next to the one that another one you're excited to share about Voyager. What's yeah. the premise of Voyager? So in Voyager, um, in the beginning, this, the starship Voyager is going to investigate this kind of signal on this planet. And they end up getting, teleported uh to the other side of the galaxy okay and their way of getting teleported back is destroyed so basically if they made the best time that they could they would it would be like you know 80 years or something before they got home mm-hmm. you know a really really long time um and and kim and i we we re- had rewatched the original well and my wife and I, uh, we had rewatched the original series. And sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, we we had rewatched the original series, and we were trying. Wait, to... Did you rewatch the original series? <laughs> oh yes, I think I said rewatch the original series about <laughs> the same number of times that we've rewatched. <laughs> Okay, so your wife. So what happens you, when we skip a week? I get all out of <laughs> forgot how to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, nobody's rewatching us. Yeah. So um, we tried to watch Next Generation, and the first episode of that show is just it just turned us off. And um, then we found Voyager, and it felt like like they were trying to actually do something new. They weren't mm-hmm. just trying to recreate the feel of the original. Um, they had. They had this kind of interesting 
thing where there's kind of this rebel faction ship that uh, they're sort of at odds odds with, but they both get transported across the universe, uh, across the galaxy, and so they the Voyager integrates this kind of rebel crew into their crew, mm. um, and the, it's it's Chakotay and Belana Torres are kind of the two main um, people from that crew, and um, Chakotay. He, he has native heritage. They they never say exactly what it is. And and unfortunately, I mean, Carlos Beltran does a great job portraying him, but Carlos Beltran, uh, it, he doesn't have native American heritage. Um, <clears throat> so like, it's good that he's there, but like the representation isn't, it's just kind of vaguely native. Um, yeah. But they have Captain Janeway, woman captain. She's like very strong. They have they have Tom Paris, who's kind of like I don't know. He's he's kind of like a bad boy, but he's got a heart of gold. He's a, he's kind of like a crazy pilot. Um, okay. And uh, I just I, I really love the relationships on this on the ship, and um, I think there's just it, the show has a lot of atmosphere. Like you turn mm-hmm. it on. I love the old DVD like menus. I think that's something <laughs> that we have have forgotten. And the Star Trek menus are great because when you open them up, like this one has like different little ships that fly in and out when you okay. when you choose the episodes. The yeah. the original DVD that I rented had like you were on the bridge of the Enterprise oh, and you fun. went to the different spots and chose the episodes. Um <clears throat> So you you know you start the episode and they just have like like the sound design is one thing I noticed when I started watching it they have all they do a great job with all the little ship sounds and stuff I think it was like late nineties uh, mm-hmm. early two thousands um, and you know and and the the effects are good for that time and um, it's just it's just a lot of fun I and. And I'm excited to see where it goes. They they interact with the Borg, I think, and they connect with other storylines. And and they're always they always have this running thing of trying to get home, which reminded me kind of of the Odyssey, um, hmm. by Homer, where you have uh, Odysseus, you know, trying to make his way home and having all of these different event adventures and things. So it has that kind of uh, epic feel to it. And and there'll be moments, usually the big finales are based around them finding some new way where they might be able to get home ah. and see their loved ones. Like Janeway has a husband um, and, you know, everyone on the ship has family that they'd like to see, mm-hmm. but they may never see again. Like by the time yeah. they get home, <laughs> they're, they're either going to be dead or like in their nineties. Yeah. So um, the, the finales are always like, they find some new way and it, it doesn't quite work out because the show keeps mm-hmm. going and, are uh, they able to communicate with back home? Or no, it's a, a couple times. Okay, yeah. Every once in a while, they get like they can communicate. It's still like really far. Yeah. Uh, so, but sometimes they contrive ways. I think to send messages. Fascinating. Is there anything like specifically in addition to that that you want to talk about the way it shaped you? Um, I don't know. Like, if, if I just wanted to. Uh, Unwind with my mm-hmm. unwind tea <laughs> <laughs> and watch something that 
that I haven't seen before uh, and get like the feel, the adventurous feel of Star Trek, I'd put on Voyager. Okay. Because Is I feel like... action-packed? Uh, every once in a while, yeah. You know, they, okay. they have space fights and things. There's a certain... Mm-hmm. You know, they're so far out in, in space that um, everyone is kind of surprised to see a Federation ship. Mm. So a lot of the tension comes from these other factions uh, seeing this Federation ship in a, in a place where it's not supposed to be. Um, okay. And I just, I just think it creates some really interesting situations yeah. and places that, you know, Star Trek hasn't really situations Star Trek wouldn't normally go to or, or would have to contrive more within the episode to go to and it kind of develops mm-hmm. as it goes on. Um, cool. Yeah. Nice. And and I I really like Chakotay and, and, and Bellana and, and Tom Paris. They're, you know, they're my... They, you, you get to know the crew as you go along and I think that's one aspect of Star Trek in general uh, mm-hmm. that I love and, and that has shaped some of the other media that I've loved, like Firefly is one of my favorite TV shows oh, ever. And that's, that. that's just, you know, the, the, that Firefly wouldn't exist without Star Trek. Um, and uh, Mass mm. Effect, which is a video game series that I've played, you get to, you get to have a crew on a spaceship for three whole games and your save carries over through the games. Mm. And so you can build relationships with your crew over this kind of three game story. Uh, and it's like the closest thing to playable Star Trek that you can get. Um, and Voyager just kind of captures that, that feeling of having a crew and being on a ship together. Important question for you, Hunter. And I think you might've asked it to me before, but, um, how does a, uh, a reaver reaver? Yeah. Uh, clean his sword. <laughs> oh no. He stabs wash. He runs it through the wash. <laughs> he runs it through the wash. <laughs> yeah. A uh, little bit of firefly the out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to talk about that. I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to bring us on to Star Trek em- Enterprise. Yeah, you got to keep us rolling because I'm just... <laughs> so Star Trek Enterprise actually is it followed up um, Voyager. Um, so it's from 1990. 1999 or 2001 to 2005, something like that. Um, so right after Voyager ended, and it set, it was set back in the 22nd century before the original Star Trek. So it was set 100 years before um, Star Trek, mm-hmm. and so it's about um, the captain uh, Jonathan Archer, who is the captain of the very first warp five engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason he's the captain is his father was the one that developed the engine. And so this is their first time. Like the, 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 the world's humanity's first time in space, like really kind of making that step into space, mm. um, with like, uh, a ship that can really go anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so one of the, the call outs I've heard of it is that it's, it, it's much smaller potatoes uh, than some of the previous ep- like Star Treks um, because there's no like simulated environments. They can't. They, they don't have their their recreation rooms where they can 
experience, you know, things that happen. There's yeah, no the hollow dick. Yeah. There's no, and there's no, um, federation. Mm. There's no federation of planets. Like, Oh yeah. They have never experienced, they've never met the Klingon. Um, when this begins, um, in fact, one of the primary antagonists slash pseudo antagonists throughout the show are the Vulcans. Oh, and so they're wrestling with how the Vulcans have stymied them <laughs> from being able to progress as a civilization. Like they didn't, the Vulcans refused to help mm. in any of the next steps. Um, even once humanity made it clear that they were ready for first contact. Mm. Um, and so mm. the three primary characters, it, it, it starts, the first two seasons are very different from the, the last two seasons. The first two seasons um, are much more uh, modular or episodic. Um, and the last two seasons carry over story arcs. Um, and so again, I've heard some people say, watch the first episode of the first season, then jump to season three. Um, yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed the whole show. I liked the slow progression of the characters. Um, the, the three primary ones that it focuses on at the beginning are Captain John Archer, Commander Trip Tucker, and Subcommander T'Pol. And T'Pol is a female Vulcan mm. who's on the crew. And so there's a lot of conversation as the show goes on between her and the rest of this crew and really her and Trip. And that relationship, um, as it develops, as it takes steps forwards, takes steps back. Um, in one of the early episodes, um, Trip um, uh, ends up uh, um, having sex with a different species and becomes pregnant. Uh, oh. So there's an episode where <laughs> one of the male characters is pregnant. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, Captain Archer also is like a much more angry captain mm. than many of the other ones before. Like he's much more willing to like bring a different character to the edge of death um, uh. in order to get information out of them. Um, mm. He also has a beagle that's with them <laughs> all the time. Um, and so that's kind of where the, the designation of the ship is, um, is, is, is called is designated NX one. So the first Starship Enterprise designated as NX one, um, and um, another interesting character is um, their linguistic officer Hoshi Sato, um, hmm. and it's Sato Sato. Uh, it's it's really interesting because she's also like an incredible linguist on Earth, who's who Captain Archer is able to get onto this team last minute. And you see her learning languages of other species mm. in order to add it to their, their comm system or whatever the system is. So that way they can all then understand the language and we can hear it in English. Mm. And so you see a little bit of that kind of early adaptation of like, we don't have the technology that's able to just do this automatically. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's actually, I think that's really interesting. Um, the, the, um, the villains for a lot of it. Um, well, for the first, some of the villains are the Suleiman, which are a really interesting um, race. 
that are able to like gain new abilities and like become invisible at different times. And so like Mm. they kind of show up in the first season and first episode and they show up throughout it. The the Klingon Klingon also appear in the first episode. Um, There's a lot of kind of like really, they try to show the beginnings of things. Um, And that's the idea is how do we create a new Star Trek? Well, let's go before everything else. So we don't have to worry about, you know, whatever it is. And it, and yeah. it's canonically within the the universe. So it's not like a separate, they don't do something to make it a, an alternate reality such that Kirk never experienced, you know, that mm. Kirk wouldn't know about it with the ex- exception of a couple episodes. Cause you know, every Star Trek's got to have a couple like dark wieldy <laughs> um, and alter ego characters. Um, there's one uh, episode I wanted to talk about. Um, that, let me just pull up right here. Um, it's been a few years since I've seen it, so I, I, I try to do a little bit more research, just trying to remember the things that stuck out to me uh, versus the Orville I just finished a couple months ago. And this was, was actually. Uh, I was just going to ask: Was uh, was Enterprise your first contact? With Star Trek, or it was my first full watch of a show. Mm. Um, but no, it's probably the sixth time I was tried. I tried Star Trek. Yeah. Um, the the movie the movies with Chris Pine were kind of my first. Like, okay, I can get into this. And then I tried the the original Star Trek, and it was like, nah, it's just too. I, the t- technology, I just I couldn't get over that mm. aspect of it. It felt too campy, um, or. Which I understand, or maybe not campy is not the right word. Sorry, I see your face. I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, no, camp is a thing. I mean, because they were stage actors, so mm-hmm. there is that aspect of it. Um, and there is the kind of the silliness of, of the effects. But I, you know, I think that's kind of part of the experience. And once you kind of get used to the actors totally. and the characters. It, and I have rewatched the first episode again of that. I tried, I tried every so often. Um, it's like an Adam and Eve type episode, or like not an Adam, like a God type episode where they make the man trap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I've gone back, and then I did Next Generation for a while, and it just again was too heady for me. Uh, and then I, I tried a couple others, and then I fell on um, Enterprise, which there wasn't anything technologically that like got in the way of my viewing of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was able to. Kind of just enjoy it. And I think that there's an aspect of me that I really enjoyed the intro song, which as I've been looking <laughs> into what other people said, they hated it. Oh. Absolutely hated it. Um, I thought it was fun. Um, and I appreciated <laughs> that. Um, and, and really enjoyed that it was there throughout the whole seasons. Uh, but anyways, um, I talked earlier about the way the Star Trek shaped me in the way that it. I think it maybe it's shaped other shows. is like telling a story. Um, that really means something else. So, uh, there's an episode called Terra Prime, um, mm. and the story arc is um about a xenophobic terrorist group on Earth that threatens to destroy Starfleet Command unless all aliens leave the planet. They want mm. Earth to be for humans alone and fear and despise aliens. Ah. And there's they they touch on that because they, they spend time on Earth. Um, so 
so this this happens for a few reasons. But for one thing, um, multiple there are a few different episodes where they actually spend time on Earth as the start as a crew, um, and are hated on like they're non-human creature um, crewmates are like their slurs against them. They're like attacked because they're not human. Um, and part of that is because, or one of the main piece of it is because, and I want to make sure I get the name of the species, right. Um, there is, oh, I forgot about talk about the temporal cold war, but that's brought up through other things. We don't need to worry about it. <laughs> um, is there is in season three, um, especially, um, it's all about the Zindi. Um, and the Zindi are a a five species race, a race that's like imagine a a world where there are five different species that become technology. Um, I don't know, um, literate and like have their own societies. Like one that's only lives in oceans and one that, you know, they're, some of them are humanoid, some of them aren't. Um, oh. So there's five species that have come together. Um, and in the very, I can't remember if it's the last episode of season two or the first episode of season three, they send a probe to earth and kill 7 million people. Wow. Like that's how I think season three starts and there is no Starfleet like real Starfleet to respond to it. And mm-hmm. so it's up to enterprise to go and stop this indie from coming back and killing everybody. Is it an accident or a, no, it was purposeful. It's a malicious purpose. piece. Oh, okay. And so, and I don't want to kind of ruin the kind of the whole plot of it. Um, because I th- think it's actually really interesting and really worth watching. Um, but they're learning about the Zindi as they're going, and they're learning about all these different weird space or these stations uh, that they keep bumping into as they're on the way there, and they're and it becomes this really like there is a tension, obviously, that exists throughout this whole thing, and and you understand it, it gives more fodder to why in the world humanity would hate other species Hmm. um and so they kind of use that to then talk about xenophobia and racism and all various forms of isms um in modern society Hmm. um and and I, i just it's really really intense uh, I think it's really well done. Um, seasons three and four are just really, really cool. And then se- season four talks about the founding of the Federation, um, mm. which is pretty cool. It, it's kind of what people thought the whole show would be about, <laughs> uh, but it didn't get there till season four. And then it was unfortunately canceled oh. um, before they were able to do more. And actually it was quite a few years before, another uh the next star trek started mm. um but I, somewhere like 32 i was hearing 32 million dollars was raised by fans to start 
to do a season five wow. of Enterprise. And it'll never happen. Mm. Um, or it'll most likely never happen at this point. Um, and um, oh my goodness, I, I forgot to talk about two more characters, three more characters I need to talk about. Malcolm Reed, uh, the tactical officer. Um, Travis Mayweather, uh, who's the helmsman. Um, he's, he's a space boomer who was born and raised on um, uh, different ships. <laughs> uh, one of the first of that generation. Mm. And then Phlox, who is the medical chief medical officer. He's another really interesting um, alien um, who's denobulin. Yeah. Um, and he like adds a really great feel to the show. And that's actually, again, like the other ones, the way that they tell stories together, um, they encourage each other and, and they build the relationships together. Uh, it's really cool. And then one of the things that is the biggest fault of this, this show um, that I've learned even the actors hated is the final episode. Mm. Um, it was just not done well. Um, um, one of the characters who've come to love dies randomly and like not in a way that makes sense. Um, but then, and the, and there's also one of the guys from, and this is where the next generation comes in. Um, one of the primary characters in the next generation who I don't even know the name of, like comes back and uses the enterprise as a way to try and like, understand how he should handle his own situation. And so it's like a, it's like a why like it, uh, it ends up becoming a, Oh, you don't like this. Remember that you liked the next generation. <laughs> um, but then it also ends with this, this beautiful speech that captain Archer makes to start the Federation. Yeah. So it, it, it does, it holds these two, pieces together and then it also never answers this really interesting like dark um uh multiverse type vibe of like all of the the all of the um like there's a parallel dimension where all of the members of the voyager of my guess of enterprise are evil oh. and um there's a couple episodes about that and like the captain is different. It's actually one of the different characters and it's, it's really fun. There's a uh, original series episode like that where it's kind of like an alternate history where the uh, enterprise is actually, or the Federation was absorbed by the Klingon empire or something like that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so the, the enterprise is this like, you know, the, all the characters are different, uh, and they all are, you know, very warlike and uh, want to conquer. And then they go up against the original crew. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's where part of this idea came from. Yeah. Well, Hunter, I want to move on um, so we can yeah. talk about the three movies, um, the, re the reboot, <laughs> and then we'll talk about the Orville and be uh, done. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking about the shows because there's so many shows that uh, we haven't gotten too much about how it's shaped us. 
Well, here's the uh, thing. I feel like a large way that it's shaped us that we've talked about is these major themes that we're talking about. Hmm. Right. We've talked about the way that a storytelling can, can use one like fake false, false story, like this untrue thing, um, not untrue, fake. Um, I don't know what the right word is to tell, to talk about a deep issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a huge thing that Star Trek does really well. We've talked about the way it just makes us feel good. Um, and there's a certain aspect to like, that's a story can shape you just cause you enjoy watching it and like want to watch it again. I think that's how I ended up watching, um, the next generation movies. Uh, I think it was in college and I just, I just, every once in a while I get the urge to just like watch some sci-fi stuff. So I just, I just want something. It's like it's like an aesthetic, an atmosphere, um, you know. But I don't I don't want it to just be that. And I think Star Trek has always tried to do more, and always tried to, you know, they 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 want to have fun. There's a lot of contrived things that happen, but it it is science fiction. It, it it's not science fantasy. Uh, and, it, and it wants you to wants to make you think a little bit more rather than just enjoy the ride. But well, at the end we'll have to answer the clickbait question, which is Star Trek or Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can get there at the end. Um, Hunter, is there any? Thank you for sharing that. I. Is there anything you want to talk about for the three movies that came out? Oh, the new ones? Yeah. <clears throat> um, we can call them new ones, but they're, they're not that new at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, oh, I, I forgot to shout out some characters from Voyager. Uh, Harry and Tuvok and Neelix and Kess. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll hang out with you guys sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the casting was just amazing. I, yeah, like so I, good. I also like that they did a great job of re. They made it such that they could tell the story as they wanted to because they created an alternate universe mm-hmm. um, which actually the Orville does as well um, it creates an alternate timeline and so that gives complete freedom without hurting anybody's feelings yeah um, and I haven't rewatched the well I mean the original Star Trek <laughs> I loved it so much. Um, I, family members bought me the the DVD for oh. Christmas one year, and not only did they buy me the DVD, but this was one of the very first DVDs that came with a uh, a code such that you could download it onto your iPod Touch. 
Oh, nice. So I had, and we watched multiple times to start Star Trek on my iPod touch yeah. until it was, until I left it or it was taken and stolen um, from the bus one day uh, in high school, um, which I'm very sad about oh, still. Man. Um, it was a 32 gigabyte too. And uh, so, so it was if a big deal at the time. If you're hearing this um, thief and you, you want to right your wrongs. Oh, yes. I, I could, I still have a, a charging port for it. Oh man. Um, uh, but I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I, I want to go back and rewatch it. Um, now having this conversation, um, I, also the second one, Star Trek into darkness mm-hmm. was one of the first, I think one of the first honest trailers that I remember. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the frustration in the honest, honest trailer was about the lack of, um, correct punctuation. So <laughs> the correct way to pronounce it should be Star Trek into darkness. Versus Star Trek into darkness. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think Benedict Cumberbatch provided an incredible villain. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if the story was a little wooden. Yeah. They Um, just, they get so much mileage out of Spock just being like so strong and good at fighting, uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, is not really what Spock is about. This is a different Spock. This is alternate. This is Zachary yeah. Quinto's Spock. I mean, they also did a good job in the first one of setting up his backstory in a way that made you really like. He's an angry Spock because his mother was killed by the Romulans, right? Yeah, and that's a different Spock. Right, yeah. he has a different motivation. Um, and then let's just pour it out um, for our world losing Chekhov, mm-hmm. um, the actor who played Chekhov. Who I can do you remember? Do you know his name off the top here? Oh. Um, uh, Anton Yelkin. Um, yeah, he passed away in a really sudden, terrible, like, um, it was a Jeep accident. accident. Yeah, it was actually because of a manufacturer issue. The parking brake failed. Yeah. Um, and he was a, I just talking about the, the, the casting choice. Like, I, I think he was relatively unknown. Um, when they ca- was casted, and he just did a great yeah. job. He was in um, uh, Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia Troll Hunters, which is a kids' show based on a book written by Guillermo del Toro, or like co written by mm. Guillermo del Toro. Um, and he voiced the main character for the first two seasons. Um, and then they got a different voice for the third season, but the the whole show is is dedicated to him uh and it's it's a wonderful show it's a kid's show but i i i absolutely loved it i was i've watched it with wesley he doesn't really remember it uh we'll probably wait (laughs) until he's older before we start watching it again but um, yeah and i was wrong he was in a lot of things before he was in star trek um Mm. he was also charlie bartlett in the movie charlie bartlett which i haven't seen that in a long time but i think i watched it at one point Definitely a loss there, um, yeah. and I, I thought that was well casted. I, uh, that was completely you said that like twenty times. Yeah, um, he, I also don't remember Star Trek Beyond very much, which maybe says to the quality of the movie. I uh, remember liking Star Trek Beyond. I don't remember too much about the story or the plot. 
Uh, <laughs> but you know, it it reminded me of like of like a classic Star Trek episode, you know, where they get marooned on a planet and yeah, have to figure their way, you know, figure something out to get off the planet, and and you know, it's kind of like a fun adventure. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it wasn't wasn't earth shattering movie but it was fun yeah yeah that's what i remember about it oh my god i'm looking through the cast right here crazy the actors they had oh uh zoe saldana right Um, yeah yeah she's she has actually been in um like she has a record now for being in the most billion dollar plus movies or something like that yeah, because she was um, Avatar, Avatar: Way of Water, Guardians, um, yeah, all the Marvels. Um, she did another set too. Incredible actress, um, Simon Pegg. Love him, John Cho. Um, Idris Elba is in the third one. Oh yeah, uh, totally forgot about that. Um, oh my goodness, Greg Grunberg, <laughs> not an important character, but. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have known his name, but love love him as an actor. Um, also in Star Wars at one point. Okay, sorry. I'm totally getting <laughs> off track. Let me talk about the Orville, and then we'll be done. Um, <clears throat> so last on the list that uh, I want to talk about is the Orville, and Orville is not technically a Star Trek in the sense of it's not owned by the same, I don't know, it's like it was a Disney Plus show, yeah, but it it's, it's not Disney officially Star Trek. And it was originally created as a spoof on yeah. Star Trek. Was the kind of the vibe with Seth mm-hmm. MacFarlane? Um, and I remember seeing trailers from it for it when it came out um, in 2017, and being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to watch that because it's got Seth MacFarlane, and it looks like it's way too much of a spoof." And then earlier this year, I decided to watch it. I think on your recommendation, Hunter. Um, and I watched the first episode and then I watched all three seasons. Um, (laughs) and honestly for me, if I would say, if you want to get into Star Trek, like this is a really good place to start. Um, CGI is amazing. Acting, amazing. Storytelling, amazing. It's really funny, but it's not a spoof. Like it is a spoof, but it is also not a spoof. Um, and they just do such a good job of, like they dive into some of the things that like other Star Treks wouldn't because like who cares? Like they a large kind of running joke throughout it is what does it look like to be part of a union? <laughs> <laughs> and they they make union jokes all the time about like, you know, mandatory breaks and you know all these different pieces and, and there's some really amazing relationships and and you know that Seth MacFarlane is Captain um, Ed, Ed Mercer, and Commander is Commander Kelly Grayson, and they were formerly married. They mm-hmm. got divorced um, because uh, Commander Kelly Grayson slept with um, Rob Lowe, um, <laughs> who was an alien. Um, it was wait, it was Rob Lowe. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, and oh, they, they later go on and explain why, um, and it's and. And of course, I think at one point Captain Ed Mercer also sleeps with him. Uh, there's a Wait, hormone what? thing. 
Yeah, there's it's a there's a hormone thing that uh, oh, okay. species like well, releases. His, his one body time a is year. a temple. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, a really microchip. Funny... <laughs> yes, <laughs> his body is a, is a microchip. community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not community. What am I saying? Parks um, and Rec. Parks and Rec. Yeah, way better show. Um, but the the relationship that I okay, um, yes, there's also Doctor Claire Finn who's just. Probably the wisest, definitely the wisest character in the show, but like one of the best characters, uh, probably one of the best Star Trek characters. Mm. Um, and the there are three other characters that are important to note. Um, uh, yeah, okay. Who's the uh, the I, second lieutenant? The, so the second lieutenant is um, Isaac. Yeah. Um Isaac is a Kalon, so he is a an artificial life form. Um oh, he is ent- entirely art okay, um, well, sorry. Um he is let me make sure. Uh, he's a science and engineering office. There's sorry. There's there's two ver- two non-human <laughs> characters that are part of the primary crew. The first yeah. is Isaac and he's a Kalon um who actually at one point become the villains in this this story which makes it unique from some of the others um, in that there's some conversation about whether the krill are bad, um, but they become good, but then they're bad. Um, mm. The krill are usually just bad, um, but they're, there's a love story that happens there. And there's this, this kind of question um, because they also do a, um, with Charlie Theron, there's a, is a time traveler as part of the cold war or cold, whatever. And huh. she protects the ship when it should have gotten destroyed, and they use that to like create a parallel universe type piece. Oh. Um, is the feel? Um, I'm jumping a lot of voice, but um, Isaac is a character that can't feel any emotion. Um, yeah, and one of the story arcs that is told throughout this series is him falling in love and i'm sorry hunter i know you haven't dived too deep into it but i'm going to share a couple of the things that are going to all right that's fine um him falling in love uh with um dr claire finn and so there's a love story and really her falling in love with him Mm -hmm. um but there's this question about can he feel love and he can't um he has no ability to have emotions Mm. Um, and he, he keeps saying that, but as you're watching the show, you're like, this isn't true. And it's not like 2001 space odyssey where, um, the ship Hal. is the most, uh, yeah, where Hal's the most emotive character. It's not that, but it's, he's clearly feeling emotions actually up to a point where, um, he was the cause. And then also the, well, he was the cause of the death of hundreds or thousands of, 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 humans lives Hmm. um but he also was the one that saved them um and he's then in the last third season like hated because of all the people that he pretty much killed um and he says he can't feel emotions but there's an entire episode and again this is the way in which star trek that i love uses a a an alternative, you know, alternative universe sci-fi 
to speak into real issues, issues um, where he commits suicide. Or sorry, where he dies by suicide is the correct way of saying that. He dies by suicide. Um, but he doesn't have emotions. And mm. and so he's you know, Dr. Finn is is helping him try to think through this and understand logically why would he make that decision. Then you dive end up diving deeper into the whole K-line, K-line um story arc. This it's just a really, a really good story. And I can't tell you the number of times I cried uh, <laughs> and laughed during this show. Like, and they did it such a good. It's the funniest Star Trek I've seen. It also might be the most emotional Star Trek I've seen. Um, on the other side, um, another character, two more characters. Important to share is um, uh, Commander Bordis. Uh, and Lieutenant Commander Bordis is the second officer. Is who we were asking about? Yeah. He is from Machlis. Um, and so he's from an entire male, entirely male planet. Um, yeah. He's a Machlin. And um, he has no humor, um, but he's also hilarious. And well, one. Sorry, sorry that, that was one of the episodes I actually saw because it was uh, like one of the first four where you go to the Machlin planet. Uh, and uh, Borlas has a partner, yes. and they have an egg, and mm-hmm. uh, the egg is going to hatch, and it turns out to be a female. And yes. come to find out that the Mocklins, if there is a female, they perform a sex change mm-hmm. uh, to make them male because that's their culture. Yes. And they have like a court case where yes. uh, Bordis, Bordis wants to keep it a female. And he, he is kind of swayed by this after watching. Uh, <sighs> well, the, the rest of the crew is like, this This is crazy, man. You're you, Like, mm-hmm. you can't. How can you be part of the Federation yeah. while you're still being part of a culture that is so backwards? Yeah. And his husband's, and, his spouse is named Clyden. Yeah. <laughs> and so Bordis, he watches, he's watching like Rudolph, I think. Yep. And, uh, He's like, there's a part where, you know, it talks about everyone thinks that Rudolph uh, shouldn't be, he should have his nose changed or something. He wasn't born Mm -hmm. right, but Rudolph ends up saving Christmas. Uh, And so he, that kind of sways him. And so they make, they have this court, this case in uh, a beautiful scene. Again, the scene I was crying during. Yeah. as evidence in this case, that what kind of tips the case is um, they find a Mocklin female who has been living on the planet in um, uh, in secrecy. Her parents mm-hmm. hid her and raised her and taught her to read and write. And it turns out they they frequently quote this writer as one of their greatest writers of all time. And she is the one who is the writer. Yes. Um, which is, which is great. Um, yes. And, and I want to dive into that cause this is actually one of the reasons to bring up Bordis. That is not just a solo episode, uh, because in that episode, the court rules in favor of Clyden yeah. and the baby's gender is changed. Um, and that's like, I mean, that's very relevant to our society right now. Carlos, where you stand on this issue, it's really relevant 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't end there. That's actually becomes a very a constant conversation and story arc through all three seasons is this fight between Clyden and Bordis um, and their child about was this the right decision? Um, mm. Should we let our child know that he was a female? What does it look like for Clyden to come to respect female leadership? Um, and Commander Grayson is, is a really good ex- part of that conversation. Um, there ends up being a, a, a Machlin, Machlin resistance, um, a planet of just females. Um, who've been you know, who've been ah. shuttered um, no, what's the word um, shuttled off world, and then there is a, a conversation about whether the you don't know, tell all the things, but like whether one of the one of their do- their son, their former daughter and son is going to perform like wants to be a female again or not, and and then there's this huge shift, huge shift that happens in the third season. Um, about who the primary villain is. Um, is it the Kalon? Is it the Krill? Is it the Mocklins? Is it somebody else? Um, you don't know. Um, and it continually changes. And it, it's just, that's, I love that. Um, and one of the Bordis's pieces that he also loves to sing. And so they do an episode where he's singing songs and <laughs> he's not, he doesn't have a great voice, but it's it's really fun. There are, are two other characters I need to mention. I realize if you've been counting along, that's one more than I said. Um, uh, who's the, who's the really strong? Wait, so I think she works in engineering or something. Uh, Lieutenant Alar Katan. Yeah, is the first, is uh, the chief of security. Um, yeah. she's a really great character. Um, she is a um, what 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 is her planet? Um, she's Zelayan, hmm. um, and she's very young. And there's a question about whether she's appropriate for it. And there's actually an entire episode where she is um, facing her greatest fears. Um, and it's one of those episodes that happens. Then you realize it happened in a simulation. Oh, um, and it, it's a, it, they do a really good job in this in the show about focusing on the different characters um of like giving each character multiple ep- like multiple episodes to be about them as a way of building the relationships um and then there's also um um lamar um who is oh yeah john lamar who is starts <laughs> yeah as the navigator um but one of his big pieces is whether or not he should stay as the navigator become, he ends up becoming the chief engineer Oh, um, interesting! throughout most of the show. And it's really interesting the way they tell that. I get these are like, they really, really develop these characters very quickly and very deeply. Um, but in all of this, um, I wanted to kind of dive into my favorite relationship in this show. Um, and it has nothing to do with, it's with one, a character who I haven't named yet. Hmm. And, um, that character is Lieutenant Gordon Malloy, uh, oh, who's yeah. the pilot. He's, he's the alcoholic, isn't he? Um, he's, In the he, beginning. He comes across as an alcoholic as like a, just a, a kind of idiot, <laughs> just amazing p- 
ca- uh, pilot, uh, but terrible at everything else. Mm-hmm. His best friend is Captain Ed Mercer. And yeah, there are a lot of amazing relationships in this show. Um, but I love the way that they just feed off each other um, mm-hmm. as friends. And that's where actually where a lot of the humor comes in their relationship. Um, Gordon Malloy is also, he's just the funniest character. Also, it turns out he is the actor has an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they actually towards the later seasons spent like give time for him to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, you feel it. Um, but like they, they use that relationship to talk about power dynamics. Like what does it mean to be the captain um, and have your best friend be a lieutenant? Um, like what does that look like? Um, they use it to talk about because Gordon Malloy knows the, the whole experience. Ed helped Ed get through his divorce. Um, and now Ed's on the ship with his first commander is his former spouse. And so Gordon's there and helps in kind of some of those conversations. Um, and there, there's, there's a few episodes that really stick out, but the one that got me just choked up from the beginning is this is a show that gives you a first contact. There's an episode where they make first contact with a planet, like a mm. planet reached out and said, Hey, we want like, is anybody out there? Mm. And they came down and, and respond. I, does, does, does Voyager do that? Have you, have, is that something that you saw? I think so. I, I believe they interact with, with peoples uh, and races on other planets that haven't, haven't had contact with, with the Federation or with, with other people before. I don't remember specifics, but yeah. And like, and that's one of the things that sticks out in this episode is it's the first time this, this planet has ever experienced anybody outside of their planet. Uh, and there's, and they've got a weird thing where they're, they believe that if you have, were born in a specific month, or a specific Zodiac sign that you are evil. And so they actually, oh. and it's because of long time in their past, a star went out, a star died in that time. And so there is a view that if you're born at that time, that, you know, so there's this whole warped thing that they have and there's this piece. Um, and it's a really, really cool episode. Um, seeing that first contact to me is just, a re- I always get real emotional about that. Mm-hmm. Um, just, and I don't really know why, but it just hits me right. And then there's also there's there's so many things I want to talk to you about this show, uh, Hunter, but I'm not going to talk about them because you haven't seen the whole thing, and you will enjoy it. Um, they also at one point interact with a planet though, where um, because its orbit is such that every nine days in this universe. I think it's every nine or 12 days. It jumps from there into a different universe. Like because Mm -hmm. of its orbit or whatever for 400 years. And when it comes back 12 days later or something like that, it's 400 years in the future. Hmm. Um, And there's an episode where one of the characters accidentally makes first contact when they shouldn't have. 
and an entire or like faith system is built based off this character. Um, and then, you know, time goes on and, you know, it becomes bigger and bigger and they try to like solve it and then make it worse. Mm. And so they send actually another character into there to help make it better. And then later that same season, or maybe even a season or two later, there's another episode where you learned it was, didn't actually happen in real life. Um, it was like a simulation type thing. Mm. And it's that planet, its population, kind of doing this to (laughs) members of the Orville Hmm. because that planet has moved forward like 23,000 years and is now immortal and can't feel death anymore. And so they, they put characters in near death situations so they can experience the the feeling of death. Oh. So <laughs> right weird weird interesting and it just it the show talks about so many different things. Um and if you enjoy Star Trek and decided not to give this show a, a shot, give it a shot. If you don't like Star Trek and or don't think you do and you want to try something, this is a great choice. Uh, it's a fun show. Um, very highly recommend it. So, Eric, the million dollar question Star Wars or Star Trek? I don't have an answer to that one, Hunter. But <laughs> for most of my life, I would have said Star Wars without a doubt. Um, I think now, as I'm, you know, getting the chance to understand things more deeply i think star trek has a lot more depth to it um but i don't know if you can beat the original star wars um and i i loved rogue one um and the newest star wars andor um did you get a chance to see that i did i yep i loved it I think it might have been the best Star Wars I've seen. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. Uh, maybe maybe if we ever do something Star Wars, we can get more into it. But I I will always choose Star Trek. I always have. Um, okay. It's just I I appreciate. I've spent a fair amount of time in the Star Wars universe. Um, <laughs> but I just, I, Star Trek, I think, has has more depth. And it's, um, and it's not necessarily because it's better. It's just that it really engages in, like, really interesting thought experiments. Uh, and it's really cool, too. Like, the... I just I love the sets. I think that's something I forgot to mention. Mm. Like just the set of the original series, looking at all the buttons and things. I think they took a lot of stuff from like airplanes and and things and, and like or like TV dials and things, all the blinking thing. I love the I love I'm just a sucker for like kind of abstract like vintage imagining of what the future tech would look like. Um, and, and Voyager too, that like the ship has a lot of character. Like as you watch the show, you get to know the ship. 
and you get to know the different sets and I, and that's one of the joys of it. Um, and I just, I just don't get that from star Wars. Ultimately Hunter, we both know this. It is a false dichotomy. Yeah, I agree. It's not, they're not comparable. Um, yeah, they're both sci-fi. They're both well-known. They both have star at the beginning of what their wording <laughs> is, but it's, you're comparing a TV based universe with movies to a movie based universe with TV mm-hmm. and the level of relationships you're able to develop in TVs and the number of stories shows and the number of different stories you're able to tell is just far superior um, because yeah. you have more time and you have more voices working on it and you have more discrete sets of voices because yeah. you know, just because somebody is part of one Star Trek doesn't mean they're part of a different one. Um, and I love Star Wars. I, I will. I, I do always love Star Wars. I even love the ones I don't love. Uh, I'm not about to go rewatch Star Wars Episode 3 anytime soon, um, mm. which I like less than Star Wars Episode 2. I think it's a better movie than Episode 2, but <laughs> I enjoy watching Episode 2 more. Um <laughs> Not no. most of it. Um, Maybe if we ever run out of things to do, and <laughs> um, I, I think my wife would boycott this episode. But if we ever did one um, on the Last Jedi, I assume we have to. Uh, knowing your thoughts on this, so Hunter, I would love to play us out. Um, is there anything you want to share before we we go? Um. No, I I did have like a quote or two I can read, but um, this comes from uh, I Mud from Spock, and in order to break free from the androids, they put on a illogical performance uh, because they find out that by catching the androids in illogical thinking and paradoxes, um, they can effectively shut down the androids and um, gain their freedom and get back to the ship and stop the androids from, quote-unquote, serving the rest of the galaxy. And they put on this this amazing... The reason it's one of my favorite episodes is because the actors, the whole crew puts on this amazing like abstract stage performance um, where they're like, you know, they, they do a lot of miming and they, you know, like the character pretends he rolls up a ball and like turns it into a bomb. And then Kirk like hits the bomb with a golf ball and they all pretend to explode. Um, And it's just so much fun. And like they do dancing and stuff, but this Android is like really confused. And he's like, Mr. Spock, you are logical. Can you tell me what logic is, and or, or tell me tell me what's going on here? And um, Spock says, "I'm gonna read my handwriting." Logic is a tweeting bird in a meadow, a wreath of pretty flowers that smell bad. And then the android's head explodes. that's great the sentence is false
Well, then with that, I will uh, leave us with the immortal music uh, that leads everybody into each episode of Star Trek Enterprise. Um, the beloved and beloved and hated music of humanity learning to fly and shoot off into the stars. It's been a long time But my time is finally I can feel a change in the way right now Nothing's in my way And I'm not gonna hold me down no more No, I'm not gonna hold me down Cause I've got faith on the heart I can do